Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. The Bible says, Joshua chapter 5, verses 10 through 12. It says, Now the children of Israel camped at Gilgag and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at twilight on the plains of Jericho. Let me set this up for you. The children of Israel have been wandering around the desert for 40 years. There was a moment where they didn't have food and God said to them, I'm going to, I'm going to rain down manna, which was like this bread that came from heaven. Bread of heaven, bread of life sent down from heaven. Sorry. Um, I'm going to bring, I'm going to bring this bread and you're going to cook it. But then at night, don't let the bread stay past your night because in the morning it's going to spoil because I'm going to give you more bread. And every morning they saw God's miraculous hand because the bread kept coming every single morning. 40 years has passed. They're at the door of their miracle, of their promise to go into the promised land. They're right there about to go into Jericho. And we pick up the story. And it says, on the twilight in the plains of Jericho, and they ate of the produce of the land. And on the day of Passover, unleavened bread and parched grain on the very same day. Watch this. Here's what I want to talk to you about. Then the manna ceased or the manna stopped on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land and the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate of the food of the land of Canaan that year. Hey, over the next few minutes, I want to speak to you from this idea or from this subject if you're taking notes. When the manna stops, when the manna stops. Can we pray? Um, Father, I love you. Uh, God, just, I, I need you. Um, Father, I pray you would fill me right now. Pray that it would be your words, Lord God. Allow for me, Father, to communicate this the way that you gave. I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, that as we receive this, that the birds of the air, Lord God, the thorns, the, the ground, Lord God, the sun wouldn't scorch it up, Lord, but that this seed would found fallow, fallow ground, Lord, and that we would be able to produce root and fruit, Father. Lord, I love you. I thank you. Speak to us today, Lord. John 3.30, let me decrease that you may increase, Father. I love you and I thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, Lord. Amen and amen. Come on, if you're expecting for a word from the Lord, would you put your hands together for Jesus? Come on, will we create some expectancy in this house? Amen. I wore my suit jacket. I'm a real pastor now. The children of Israel are a lot like me. I, I'm, and I'm a Gen X, right? So I was born in 1980. So I'm a Gen X. I'm not a boomer, right? So I, I think I've gotten the, I gotten the, the technology, you know what I'm saying? The, the technology shift that has happened. I know how to use a phone. I know how to jump on the TikTok. I know how to use the Google. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know how to, I know how to do the TikTok. Um, I, I do little dances, you know what I'm saying? Like, I know how to do all that. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm enough. I'm relevant enough. Don't let the little suit jacket fool you. Um, but at the same time, I come from a generation where things used to be so easy, right? So I remember you used to go to the airport. You go to the airport, you show them folks your ID. They, you take your ID and they give you a piece of paper. It was your ticket. You take your, pick, your ticket. Now, bro, I went to check in for a flight. <laughs> Jordan said, what? That's how it works right now? I went to check in for a flight. And when I went to check in for the flight, yo, these people were asking me all type of questions like, hey, you know, are you bringing a child with you? What? Do you know your address? What? Do you want luggage? No, I don't want to pay for luggage. Well, if you don't pay $35 for luggage now, when you get there, if we think your luggage is too big, you got to pay $35 then. Okay. Do you have any hazardous materials? Bro, what? Do you have guns on you? I look like a, what? 
I mean, every, and it's like another question of, do you want a seat? No, I, I just should choose a random seat. That was the fun of it. You remember? You just roll the dice. If you land in the middle seat, you land in the middle seat. If somebody's cool you talk to, you talk to them next to them. And now you put your headphones on, put your hoodie on, and just close your eyes. You know, as a pastor, I'm, I'm very selective with who I tell them that I'm a pastor. You know what I'm saying? What do you do for a living? I'm in sales. You know what I mean? That's, that's all I say. Because that could go one or two ways real quick, bro. I'm a pastor. Oh, yeah? Your da- my daddy was one of you. I, I can't stand y'all. Or you give me your whole life problems for three and a half hour flight. And I'm sitting there listening. I'm like, bro, you crazy. That's why she did that. You, you crazy. And I can't say that. You got to be in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. But you know what I'm saying? But it's like, but it's like, okay, I sit wherever I want. So then, then they ask you again, you sure you want to, you don't want to choose your seat? And then, okay, cool. Are, are you ready to board? Yes, I'm ready to board. Remember, you got to be there two and a half hours early. That's a lie. So whatever, Ricky, shout out to Ricky who just picked up a friend of mine that just flew in right now. I woke him up from the bed. And I'm like, go pick him up. He ran away and picked somebody from the airport. But I mean, everything is so fast paced with us that we don't know what it's like to just slow down. Like, if we go to McDonald's or Wendy's, shout out to Chick-fil-A because they don't do this, Popeye's. If you go to any one of these places, and I hate when they tell you, can you pull up to the front so we could bring your food up? No! No, I don't want to pull up. I want my food right now. We, we, our chicken isn't done yet. Bro, look here. Man, this is fast food. You know what I mean? Like, why Chick-fil-A don't have that problem? They, they put you right there. It's two lines. You know what I'm saying? Everybody, my pleasuring you to death. Like, why? I think... Our generation is so fast-paced that we don't understand what it's like to just slow down. See, the generation before me, man, they used to get up in the morning. Like, that's why I love, like, Thanksgiving. You know what I'm saying? Like, Christmas. When they get up in the morning, my wife gets up early, 4 o'clock in the morning. And she in there, she gets the turkey, and she starts, you know, just working that thing. Just, like, I mean, putting stuff on it. I don't cook. I microwave. So she does all of this stuff. You know what I mean? And, and it's like, the slower the cooking, the longer the cooking takes the better the food is. When you throw something in the microwave, you know what I mean? Stovetop tastes good, but when you get the, you know, potatoes and you, <laughs> and you just, all of this and just, oh my God, there's something good about the process. When it, I know, I know, you guys are like, all right, let's go. Hey man, let's go. We're going, we're going to lunch. Um, just be back at three so you can help us. Hey, um, what, what happens is that when, when you slow down, you get so much more out of it. You know what I mean? And, and what we think of, and next Sunday, I'm going to preach about four promises as we start this new season of our life that I believe that God has given every believer. It's going to help us. It's going to help us transition into another season of life. But what happens is that when God gives you promises, we expect these things to be like micro, microwaves. Like he gives you a promise and you expect for it to happen. And a lot of times, bro, that's not what happens. God tells you, yo, it took us five years for God to give us a home. It took us five years, bro, for us to be from school to school to school. And all of a sudden now we got a building. We got kid spaces. We got land. Like it took us. It, if God would have gave it to us at the beginning, it probably would have killed us. It probably would have killed us. But what God did was that he knew and he understood. I got to take this. Why? Because I want you to write these four things down. When it comes to promises, I want you to write these four things down. Because we are at the cusp. Like the children of Israel, I believe we're at the door of something really special. Something unique. Something that I think is God ordained. But I want to show you four things that I believe you need to know. Even in your own personal life. Last week I talked about the idea that when you're at the beginning of something. Like Jesus and Moses. There's always going to be distraction, discouragement, and disunity. And you can ask my wife. I got all three of those that happened to me this week. I'm on the phone with her and she looked, I mean, actually I was sitting down. I like, I like fell down on the floor. I'm like having a pity party. I'm like laying down on the floor and she looks at me and she says, Chino, this is distraction. This is discouragement. And this is disunity. And I was just like, dang, 
okay, Holy Ghost, <laughs> I hear you. And it just helped. But, but if I'm honest with you, when it comes to promises, these are four areas that you're going to watch in your own personal life. You are tied to greater church. For those of you that have called home, if you're here first time visiting, I love you guys. Be a part of what we're doing. We're a great church. God bless you. But when you're, when you're here, like, I mean, when you're here, we don't do church members. We do family. So you get involved in this thing. And when you get involved in this thing, you get attached to the blessings, but you're also going to get attached to the attacks. Because the bigger the impact a thing has, the bigger the attack has. So we are very open and very vocal about spiritual warfare. We meet every Wednesday right here to pray. This Wednesday, we're going to meet here. And this is going to be the last Wednesday that we meet here for prayer. But we're going to war. And we're going to fight in the spirit. We're, we're fasting. For those of you that were with us last week, we're fasting from today all the way up to Saturday. So we're taking time to really fight and contend for each of us. Not for the move. We're contending for each of us because distraction, discouragement, and disunity is something that is real that the enemy will always throw at you. All right. When it comes to promises, we're at the door of this thing. You're at the door of this thing. But in your own personal life, there are moments that you get to the door of something and God is giving you a promise and it feels like, yo, God, why can't I go into this next season of life? Like, why is it that I can't transition into this promise? And if he gave it to you, he would probably kill you. It's funny. In my life, there are times that I don't understand. Number one, write this down, that there's a path to the promise. That there's a path, right? There's a way that God takes you to the promise that is not something instantaneously. Though there are times that it does happen instantaneously, there are moments that it's a path that you begin to take. And that's where my generation fails a little bit because, and the generation after me, because we want everything quick and fast. We want to, if the Wi-Fi ain't working, the devil is in the works. Like, and we want everything to just be like, super, but there's a path to this thing. There's a slow cooking to the way that God does it. There's in my life times that I'm like, God, give me this miracle. I want this thing. And I'm asking, and you know, you know, do the pacing things and you, you start, you're, you speak in tongues differently. Yeah, and you start, you start going crazy and you're like, father, right now. And like, it's God's like, he's scared of you. Like God ain't scared of you right now. God, I ask you like, what? Relax, bro. Why are you talking to me like that? But you, the more passionate you are, the more he's going to listen to you. You just, you know what I'm saying? And you just keep going. And if God gives it to you, it will kill you. But it's crazy. In my life, there are times that I did that recently. And, and I'm, Father, I need it. And you're going to bless me. And I know it. And I quote your scripture back to you, God. And all of this and all of that. And, and then it doesn't happen. And there are times in my life where I get upset at God. And I'm like, God, I did everything you asked me to. I'm just asking you to come through. Like, I'm trying to do this the right way, God. And it feels like you're not even like, are you even listening to me? And it's like we get mad at God because of something that you, you, you want. Something you, this is you, this is on you, right? But you sitting there like God, and God's like, yo, I'm going to bless you, but relax. A, a, a path happens where you, you begin to walk on a journey. And then in my life, there's times where I've actually received the miracle. And when the miracle has come, I'm able to sustain it. And at that moment, I'm like, oh, oh, this is good. But then in that moment, it's not like, oh, this is good. This is I need for life. It's like, no, now I can manage it. It's not as big a deal as I thought it was because time has elapsed. Then now I understand this is a resource. This isn't my source. God is my source. He's always going to take care of me. I don't have to worry about what I have or what I don't have. I know that I have the source, but there are, it's a path that you have to take. And sometimes you're not going to get things as fast as you want. It, it, God promised you things and there are things you're believing God for. You, you got to give God some time. Let God figure some stuff out because I think it's super important. Can I tell you, you may or may not have known this, but the children of Israel, we see in Charles and Hester or whatever the guy's name is, and, and we see the, the Prince of Egypt. We remember they walked on dry land. Remember that? Remember the, the Red Sea opened up? Do you know that the children of Israel didn't have to go to the dry land? That God could have took them through Canaan through a different route and it would have been a four days travel? Four days, bro. They, they didn't have to go through the Red Sea. 
But watch this. Some of y'all are like, oh, that's the weird Bible version. That's a Cuban international version. Let me show y'all. Exodus chapter 13, verses 17 through 18. When the Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road towards the Red Sea. Exodus chapter 13, verses 17 through 18. So God said, I'm not going to bring you the easy way. I'm going to bring you the long way. And there's a reason for it because I need to develop some stuff inside of you. Yo, as I look at the life of our church, God has developed some stuff inside of us. There's things in our life that no longer are as important as they used to be. And there's things that weren't as important that are very important to us now. People. Can I tell you that there are moments in my life, man, where in my own personal life where I'm believing for a promise from God. And as God starts to develop me, I appreciate the promise so much more because I'm not worried about the results of the promise. I'm so much more in love with the fact that he actually blessed me with this. God, the source, actually knows who I am. He gave this to me. To me, that's way more of a bigger deal than what he gives me. It's the fact that I'm like, you actually answered me, God. And the connection is so much more deeper, but it takes time. There's a path to your promise. But, but then I also want you to understand that, that that idea right there of what I just mentioned to you, the provision, that's not your promise. The provision isn't your promise. Number two, the provision isn't the promise. Why, why do I say that? I used to have this, uh, I used to have this, uh, this 1976 Pontiac Lamont. And bro, that, that Pontiac Lamont, it was my mom's, but I was always the one driving it, so it was my car. Yo, that Pontiac Lamont was a disaster. You had that car. You probably still have that car. You know what I'm talking about? The car that you have to like, for you to open the car, you have to lift it a little bit and then pull it. And to close it, you had to lift that boy up and boom, you couldn't just like, you couldn't just like, just open the door. You know what I mean? Like the windows, they had the new style. A kid actually said this. He was like, yo, did you, have you seen the new style windows? The one that you have to roll? It's like new technology. <laughs> but mine, you, if you rolled it, it'll fall. So I had a pencil at the very front of it. And then on the back end, I had a little piece of paper that was folded up. And then I would jam that boy in there so the window wouldn't fall. You know what I mean? It was technology. It was technology. That was, that was, my, that was my car. And I remember that I, uh, I, this, it, was, it was a spiritual car. So meaning that for it to start, you had to hit it three times. One for the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then you had to speak in tongues and then start it. And hopefully, if it didn't have a demon, it would start. But if it had a demon, you got to do it again. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know what I'm saying? And just pray, God, let this thing start. Please, Lord. Don't embarrass me in front of you folks. I was supposed to be there at 10 o'clock. It's already 10.15. In the name of Jesus, right there. And then, you know, my car, it was a disaster. Bro, that thing had, that thing, if y'all remember car stereo systems, that thing had a Kenwood stereo inside of it. That thing had two 12s. I mean, I had, I had, I had, I had a sound system in there. I put rim, that thing was falling apart. It had like an oil and a transmission leak. Like every two days I had to get a quarter oil and put it in there. It's like, hey, I got to stop at the gas. So you got to put gas. Now I got to put oil. Give me a second. I had to put oil. My truck is like that right now. And you got to, I had to put oil in that mug because it didn't work. It was a disaster. And I spent so much money on it. And I spent so much time on it. I mean, you, you saw me, you were like, oh my God, that thing is dope. But then when you got in it, you were like, oh my God, are you on dope? <laughs> Could it be that we invest so much into temporary sometimes and provisional things, not understanding that God has a promise of something permanent and we lose focus of that and we stay in a season and we invest into a season that God actually never wanted you to be in. 
we put so much emphasis in a season. And sometimes that could be like, yo, this space that I'm in right now, my financial bracket and, or, or, or where I'm at right now, emotionally, relationally, this is just my plight. I'm always going to be this angry person. And so you begin to feed this because you start to push people away. And the things that you're doing right now are actually investing in something that God has meant for it to be temporary because he has so much more for you. So could it be that we eat the provision and we live off the provision when God has a promise. For some of us, we're in relationships and we have been in relationships and we were in relationships where we were in a relationship and yo, this, this isn't it, but you lonely. And you just, I guess, I guess I got, if you married, don't pay attention to me because this is, you, 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 you through. You don't even worry about this part. But if you're dating and it's just like, I don't know if this, this wasn't it. Could it be that you just made a provision out of something and God has something for you, but you're so stuck there. And there are so many people, bro, in my life that I see on a regular basis, including myself, where I have been at a job. And I'm not telling you to quit your job. I'm not telling you to do none of that stuff. But the very, if God were to tell you, if God were to tell Chino, hey, Chino, I got a church that I want to I give you. Chino, I'm going to move you up to Georgia. And I'm going to allow, after five years, you're going to get a building, all of this stuff. And all I need you to do is right now, you're making some decent money. What I need you to do is just trust me and go out on faith. I tell God, God, I don't know, man. I speak Espanol. You got to talk to me different. Like, I need a burning bush. I need something. For some of us, we, I've been so miserable at a job, man. I, you can ask my wife where I'm like, bro, I hate this place. I hate everything about it. And it wasn't until the moment that I said, God, I need to hear from you. And when God spoke to me, I said, I remember, I'll remember it as clear as day. I was sitting at an altar and it was, I had just prayed for some students and I had laid, we were praying for the students and whatnot. It was in New York and I had just, and it was like, in that moment, God just kind of like shifted me in such a way where he said, I've created you for just a moment as this. I made you for this. And from that moment, I never looked back. God has provided for everything. We never missed a meal. God has always given us, and I've been in ministry since then. But can I tell you, you know how that started? God had to make me lose my job. Because I wasn't going to let that thing go. Lydia had just had a baby, and she had another baby in her belly. Quick, don't ask questions. She was like, she was just 10 months apart. The boys, they're, they're the same age for a month and a half. Next week, he's, he's, they'll, they'll both be 13. Nah, just no TVs. We ain't had no money. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. But it was God. God had to, God, in that moment, I had a job and I was like, yo, this is, I'm going to be a manager. I'm going to be a super. And God had to just shift it. And then I'm like, in the middle of it, I'm like, what the heck? And I didn't have the money to pay for the plane ticket. And not having the money for the plane ticket, a person came to me and said, God told you for just the time as this, he's built you. He prepared you for this. This is what you're going to be doing for the rest of your life. And here's $300 for you to understand. This was me asking God, God, I ain't got no money. How did I pay for this plane ticket? I took it from the money. We don't have the money. And that moment, that person gave me the $300. It was exactly what I needed. And God was confirming. And to this day, I haven't left. Do not get so comfortable with the provision. Do not get so comfortable. Don't read into what I'm telling you and don't go make, make wise decisions. I'm not asking you to go, the pastor said quit my job. Boss, you the devil, I'm leaving. No, bro. Your wife is going to kill you when you get home. Don't blame that junk on me because I ain't got nothing to do with it. We ain't doing no marriage counseling. That's you went and did that. But yo, what if there are some things in your life that God is telling you, step away from a season of provision and allow for me to let you enter into the promise? Because what happens is if you focus on the provision too much, number three, you're going to stop on the path to the promise. Number three, you're going to stop on the path to the promise. What does that mean? Abigail, um, she, just, she just started school. And I think I was talking to Lydia about this, or actually, I think I shouted at you from the stage. I, I, I remember now, we lived across the street from the school. So I didn't really understand what it was to have a car line 
You know what I mean? Like, because we just walk the kids. Georgia, y'all got car lines. And some of the car lines, I mean, some they're interesting. You know what I mean? They put you on two of them, and then you got to get into one line, and then it goes over there. And I'm like, I, I have too much control issues, so I go on the right because I'm not going to let nobody let me in. I'm going to let you in. Like, I, I take, no, you go. You know what I mean? Like, I got to control the situation. If I get on the left, I get all angsty. I'm like, can I go? I'm sorry. Sorry. Can I, can I go? I don't like that. So I like to be on the right side. There was a time that we pulled up to my daughter's school to go pick her up, and a dude literally was in the middle lane, and he literally got out of his car, took the keys, and went inside to go grab his child. Bro, we were sitting there, and we were like, did this... Did he just really do that? We're all waiting in our cars and we're like, okay, maybe he's kidding. He just went, what? He goes inside bro, and for the next 10 minutes, we're sitting there waiting. We're like, five, 10 minutes. I'm probably exaggerating. I'm a pastor. I do that. But I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm like, wait, hold on, let's do it. And somebody goes in there and gets him. He comes back out. He gets in his car and he moves and he parks in a parking space. And we're like, whoa, what the heck, dude? Like you stopped us all for you to go pick up your child. Like I get it, but. There are things in your life that you don't understand that there are people that are coming behind you and that there are people that are attached to the promise, the miracles that God is going to do in your life. Because when you start that business, there's somebody who's going to be your employee that you're going to create sustenance to be able to bless them. But when you stop on the path to the promise and you say, well, God, this is never going to happen. And you stop dreaming and you stop moving and you stop doing the things that God told you to do. There's actual people behind you that are being held up because of the gift and the promise that God put over your life. So what I'm trying to tell you and for you to understand is that if God has given you something do that something because there's resources for sure but there's people that are attached to the dream the purpose the things that God has put your destiny is attached to people if I would have stopped if there's people before me I, I, I was at this church today and the church that we're merging with that church started in 1976 that church was in a, and, and it was just a handful of people and there's still just a handful of people we're gonna love them we, we're not going to be mean. We're we going to love them. Our music might be a little too loud for them. You know what I mean? We, there's a lot more diversity. You know what I'm saying? Like, we got a lot more. Well, some of us, we, we're all over the spectrum of color. You know what I mean? Like, they're just one color. But we're going to love them. And we're just, we're going to love them. And we're going to embrace them. And we're part of the kingdom. And, we, and, they, and they're going to champion. They're going to see us. And we're going to jump on stage. And they're they going to do a little jump. And we're going to love them. But I, I sit there and I think. If the pastor who was in that church would have shut that church down, we possibly would have never had a building. Well, not had a building yet until God would have provided. But the very fact that he said, yo, I feel a call in my life to go out and to help churches all over the world. And I want to step into, I want to step into ministry. I'm not retiring. I'm going to help other churches. If he would have never done that and just stopped up, put it in park and just sat there and said, it's 10 of us. And I'm going to collect my little $1,500 that you're giving me in tithe to be able to pay for my family until the day that I die. If he didn't have vision to say, yo, I'm going to continue to move and allow for a young person to come up here, bring vitality to this 250-seat auditorium and these four acres and bring life to this thing. If he would have just stopped it, we all would have been stopped. So what is that thing in your life that you got that God is actually putting in your life that there's people that are going to come behind you? I can't tell you. And, it, you know, and I'm put out there because I can't tell you how in, I was blown absolutely away. I'm sitting there and I'm stressed out more than you can think. Y'all don't even know the stuff we carrying. Man, Mimi and Alfonso and I mean just everybody that has been a part of it. We left the church yesterday at 12.30 at night. Trying to clean and lay carpets. Wait till you see that place. That place looks good, bro. That place looks good. But I mean, we worked and we're still working, right? And I'm, I'm, I got up super early because we had a team meeting on Saturday. You know what I mean? We hung out, I think Friday and then Saturday I had to get up early. And as I'm driving... I get this voice note, and it's a little voice note from Aisha. And she's like, oh, look at this little song that the Lord put in my heart. 
And when I heard it, I was like, I said, oh my God. Not only was I encouraged, but I said that John the Nunzi, we were all sitting there like blown away because of the gift. Can I, can I tell you? <laughs> can I tell you? There are gifts in your life that if you sit on it, there's people that can benefit from it. And you just got to allow God to let you be used. Because what'll happen? What'll happen? What'll happen is that there's another generation that's coming behind us, right? There's another generation that's coming behind us. We, there's an intersection that is happening right now, right? Every generation, there's an intersection. You remember uh, Boomers? Um, when I was born in 1980, so I'm a Gen X. But there was a generation, there was, a, there was an intersection where the Boomers were doing things one way. And they were doing uh, one job, one house, one wife, one car. Like our parents, they were just faithful to one. They just knew how to do that one thing. My generation, the Gen, Gen X, we were the anything you could do, I could do better. You know what I mean? You had one wife, we got two wives. You got one car, we got four cars. You know what I mean? Like we were a mess. But there was an intersection that happened and that's where the technology boom happened. Boom, technology just hit the scene. And I mean, technology blew up. We got the internet. You know what I mean? AOL, 60 Minutes, the little, C, the little DVD. Y'all remember the CD? We, the internet, I mean, dial up. We had everything. I mean, it just, it blew up. It was crazy. We had cable. We got satellite. We got DVDs. Y'all remember when DVDs hit? That was a, some of y'all are like, what is that? <laughs> y'all remember when DVDs hit? Like, we thought, we're in the modern age. Like, we're about to, we, we have and we have, we have flying skateboards that's about to hit. Like the car's about to fly when we got DVDs. We thought it was the biggest thing in the world. And then, there's a, and then that was our generation. And then there was another shift. Boom. My generation with the millennials. We, we started with MySpace, Napster, LimeWire. Y'all got all y'all bootleg stuff from LimeWire. Y'all remember that? You know you did that. You got all your stuff from LimeWire. You know what I mean? And then there was a, there was a, there was a shift from LimeWire to Apple Music and Spotify, and now they got the Tic Tac. You know, what I mean? I'm kidding. It's Tic Tac, it's Tic Tac. But they, but you got all of this, and there's an intersection that has happened, and we're in the middle. We're in the cusp of an intersection. And if as a church and as a people of God, if we decide to allow the culture to dictate the pace of the church, we're going to stay behind. But if the church can get ahead of it and be able to say, yo, we're going to dictate the pace of what it looks like, then we're going to get to a place that's terrifying. Because here's what it means. The transition from your moment on your path to a promise, the transition from provision to the promise, that transition is terrifying because it doesn't look the same anymore. This church is going to a transition where we're stepping into a promise and it's not going to look the same anymore. Your time doesn't look the same anymore. Your finances don't look the same anymore. Your friend group doesn't look the same anyway and the same. Some people are not going to go with you. Some people that are not, they just don't want to. But so what happens is that when you transition, it's terrifying. It's a threshold of scary that you're going to walk over to be able to step into the new promised land. The children of Israel had been walking the desert for 40 years. 40 years. And as they're walking for 40 years, they're receiving manna from God every single morning. They walk out on a morning and the Bible says that the manna stops. I know what it is. This is what they said. They were like, I know what it is. It's daylight savings. God didn't, he doesn't have an apple. He doesn't have an apple watch. He like, he forgot to turn the time back. It's daylight savings. We just got to wait an hour. Let's just wait an hour. All right, we're just going to wait here for a little bit because God's going to bring the manna. By the afternoon, the manna hadn't gotten there. And on that day, the manna stopped. You know what stopped also? 
in certain people's lives, you have to be very careful because when the, when the provision is no longer there, when the way that you used to do things is no longer there, where you live that, what, the way that your life looked like changes, all of a sudden now, you can get to a space where you can give up real quickly. 40 years ago, we were going into the promised land. There were 12 spies. 10 of them came back and said, we can't do it. These guys are big. They're giants. The land is beautiful, but we're not going to be able to do it. There's, we can't fight them. And they had to wait for 40 years. Here's what it was. Stepping into the land is terrifying because they're giants. To the point that they said even God can't help us. Right? So now they've been traveling for 40 years, watching God, a pillar by night, a cloud by, by day. They've been watching God do amazing things. They wake up in the morning, about to go into the promised land. Okay, God, we're going to trust you this time. We're going to take the giants. We're going to kill them all. But there's no manna. If there's no manna, then there's probably no God. I can imagine the children of Israel were probably like, yo, God left us. We messed up. We're about to get into the promise. And here it is. <laughs> We don't even got manna. How are we going to eat? This is, oh man, we messed up. God left us. It's over. The manna is gone. Meaning that God, if, if we're going to take this land, we need God. But if we don't have no manna, that means that we don't got God. So how are we even going to enter into the promise? These are the moments where God will make a relationship break in your life. These are the moments where your boyfriend broke up with you. These are the moments where your job fired you. These are the moments where you left and you don't know why you left. There was an uneasiness. And you walked into the office and you're like, I can't do this. These are the moments where something breaks so drastically that you're like, yo, it feels like all hell has broken loose. If you remember one line from anything that I'm telling you, and if you can tie it into this service from last Sunday, listen to me. The bigger the impact, the bigger the attack. There's going to be a moment where you're going to cross this threshold and it's going to be an all-out war because if you make it to the... If you make it to the other side, if you're able to step into that promise, you're going to cause the enemy pure hell. Can I tell you, the children of Israel fought more wars on this other side of the promise than they did before. They defeated enemy after enemy, kings after kings to the tone of I think 78 wars that they had when they were going into the promised land. They were Israel and Egypt, they weren't fighting the wars. They were okay. But it was as soon as they got to the other side, they became a terror to the enemy. People, the sound of Israel would cause armies to defeat itself. The sound of them, the sound of Israel would cause them to defeat, to defeat themselves. That's why I believe worship is so powerful. That's why I believe sometimes they would put worshipers in the front and they just would begin to sing and destroy armies. But that's another story here in of itself. But yo, here it is. They're walking into this promised land, man, and it's like... It's terrifying. There's a place, number four, there's a place before the promise. That place is scary. That place is, man, I've been in that place. That place is terrifying when it doesn't look how it used to look. It doesn't feel how it used to feel. You're waking up and you don't even know where you are. Anxiety, I mean, just like, oh my God, what is next? But Jesus knows that place. The Bible says that he has eaten the last supper with the with the disciples and he heads to this garden and when we think about the garden we think that the garden is like this ugly place of like tombs and like darkness and like the garden of Gethsemane where Jesus was it's like oh it's this scary place and there's like fog machines you know what I mean like it's just bad right when in reality the garden 
of Gethsemane is one of the most beautiful places. I would, I would challenge you to Google it. It's one of the most beautiful places you've ever seen in your life. It's, I mean, beautiful flowers everywhere. But then it's also on the edge where you can see all of Jerusalem. It's on a high ground where you can see all of Jerusalem, the entire city. So Jesus would go up there. He would pray and he would see all of Jerusalem. I mean, it was a beautiful place. But the worst moment that he ever had in his life was found in that spot. And here's what happens. He got to the place before the promise, right? Place looked ugly. And here's what Jesus says and what I believe that we can take out of this message, what I hope that we would do. The Bible says that Jesus turns and he tells us, Father, God, and this is the Cuban international version. Man, I don't care nothing about no Chino. God, I don't want to do this. Let this cup pass for me. But Chino's going to hell. Man, Chino got to figure that junk out. He bad anyway. But then he says something. He says, but not my will, but your will be done. Lord, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. What, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. They're shutting me down. Y'all quiet, but they shutting me down. <laughs> whatever, it's my favorite sound. And I only have to hear it one last time. Uh, no, but it actually is my favorite sound, if I'm honest with you. Um, I don't, I don't want to do this. It hurts. It sucks. I don't want to walk through the season. I don't want to talk to that person. I don't want to forgive them. I don't want to start that. I don't want to write that. I don't want to do that. I'm terrified because I know what's going to come after it. I'm going to get so tired. I'm going to get worn out. I'm going to do all of this stuff. I don't want to do this. But not my will. Your will be done. And I think Jesus gave us a blueprint that when you get to that place, it's scary. Watch this. Jesus was a carpenter. I, this, this is a revelation the Lord hit me with. I didn't read this in a book or find this on the Google. I was sitting there reading the word and this is a revelation the Lord gave me. Jesus was a carpenter. That I found in the Bible. That's not a revelation. Jesus was 33 years old. I can imagine that there were times that Jesus was hammering something and hit his thumb. Me. God, you know. <laughs> my drums at we're casing at sorry there were times that he was probably nailing something and probably cut himself there were times that he probably hurt himself in 33 years he was God but he had a regular life and there were times I guarantee you that he, he did something where he hurt himself and so he was thinking as a carpenter I know what pain looks like and I'm about to walk into a season where they're going to arrest me I'm going to get put up on a cross and I know what a hammer feels like. I know what nails feel like. I know what wood feels like when it's rubbing on your skin. I've gotten enough splinters to know this is going to suck. So God, I don't want to do this. But not my will be done. Your will be done. I, I know how much this is going to suck. But I trust you. I wonder if that's the cry of our heart. Will we trust God? There's a promise that God has given you. There's a destiny. There's a purpose that God has given you. But will you take that thing and say, God, I, I trust you with it. You're better than me. You understand it better. Whatever you want me to do, that's the thing that I'll do. Would you bow your head and close your eyes for just a second? I 
Thanks for listening to our podcast today. The mission of Greater Church is to reach and empower all people. We hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www.greater.church where you can read a message from our pastors, partner with us by giving online, and learn more about what is happening in the life of our church. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on all social media.